0: Hello, I'm Donnie Clinton, director of student ministry and media at West Hills Church, located in the heart of West County in beautiful St. Louis, Missouri. I'm also the host of the Going Deeper podcast at West Hills Church, where we take a few minutes to dive into last week's sermon or an interesting topic in the life of the church. West Hills is a gospel-centered church that glorifies God by living in authentic Christian community with one another growing in spiritual maturity as disciples of Jesus and serving the world missionally with the love of Christ. West Hills meets at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings for worship, and we would love to have you join us. Today, we're joined by Taylor Keane. Taylor is an elder at West Hills Church who's been here since 2006. We're gonna talk about community, discipleship, and the sermon. So thank you for joining us as we go deeper. So today I am joining with one of our elders, Taylor Keene. He preached the message this last Sunday at West Hills. Uh, Taylor, how are you? Doing well, Donnie. Thanks. Doing well. <laughs> Good. Today we're just gonna revisit last week's sermon. Um, Taylor, would you recap us with kind of the main the main
1: message of it or the takeaways from the sermon? Sure. Um, essentially, the you know being a, a licensed professional counselor, my bent of looking at things is always in the relationships, relational sense, relationship sense. And so, um, you know, just the idea of, first of all, who did Jesus call Um, initially? He called Mm -hmm. some pretty, the first four, pretty stark nobodies of (laughs) the fisherman community. Um, And then he called a very despised individual um, in Matthew as one of the, or Levi, one of the premier or top tax collectors of the day. And so basically... Jesus calls these guys off the fringe and why to um, to be in community with him, but also that he is the one that's responsible and that he's a, he's the one that gets um, the display of power. He gets the credit for it. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, it's, it's just recognizing that Jesus as, even though he's incarnate as God, he's also fully man. And the needs of a man um, or people are to be in community um, and to be known, to be Uh, seen to be um, relational and for Jesus that is you know uh, really uh, him modeling for us how to live a life that is not just our nose in a book um, retreating away from people yeah uh, in community (laughs) with people among people Um, and then also that he you know he was aware of his limitations as a man and he delegated Mm -hmm. delegated some of those out responsibilities out to the apostles as he elevated some of his disciples up and sent them to preach the word and to cast out demons yeah there's i think it's really easy for you now you're a professional you do counseling and i've been in
0: i've been in seminary for (laughs) three years four years um it's really easy to get into like the book part of it like making people like something to be studied uh but it's obvious that there's i i posted this on my facebook there's this idea where it's like we are not meant to just connect with God, like you and I aren't just meant. To, that's a very individualistic view of Christianity. Do you think, just as another question we can talk about, mm-hmm. do you think people suffer from this, from the mentality? It's like I oh I just need to be with Jesus. I just need to be with God because it well
1: as cool and as pious as that sounds, yeah. it's not reality. I think, and I don't want to push too far against Jesus is all the relationship you need because I think there's a truth somewhere in there but i don't think it is the only truth um and on the other end of that spectrum you you know is the idea that the bible is fully sufficient for everything um and i think to be clear and i said this in the sermon that the bible i obviously um being a reformed church we we hold the bible as an area and i have highest respect for that to be everything that it is um and to quote the sermon i literally said that the bible isn't the bride of christ and mm-hmm. so, like, there is call to be a tension between, like, yes, being quiet still before God in the Word of yeah, God, absolutely. learning, learning, learning. But then there's also a call to go, to be with, to be among, to sharpen iron among iron and mm-hmm. allow the relationships to shape some of that. So, you know, I think Jesus Jesus was a person. And and I, I, I have I spent most of my adult Christian life looking at him as a... <laughs> you know, has pretty much a bag of unfun. Um, yeah, he has too many rules. Yeah, but... he's just he's just like this stoic guy that just says, you know, from a spot of dry, humorless, um, you know, just follow yeah. the rules and let's get this done. But if he's perfectly God, God made emotions, God made relationships, wouldn't that encompass laughter and joy? And, yeah. And... and um, you know just fun relaxing times and Mm -hmm. so i think in that way like the disciples didn't know what they were getting into the call was immediate you know the first four um they literally just dropped everything said bye dad bye co-workers were there gonna go for it and and likewise levi just stood up and was gone and Mm -hmm. and and so in that like what is it that you know would keep them there it wouldn't be that they had this grand picture of what Jesus was calling them to, because I don't think that they would even know. I don't think they had a clue yeah. for a long time, even after he died, like what was actually happening here. So I think there was something about Jesus yeah. that drew people to him that kept them there. They were bought into him yeah, and who he, and his ministry and the things he was doing, but also him as a person. Yeah, there, there's a quote by a professor, at, you know, Zach Swine, He's mm-hmm. a professor
0: at Covenant. there's been this strand in Christianity of preachers who are very aggressive and they kind of yell from the pulpit, but Zach is famously not that. No, he's not. And he's the exact opposite of that. And he says, while we do have Christ's message, um, we have his manner as well, Mm -hmm. which means, like, he's just emphasizing Jesus was probably a really nice guy um, and that there's something attractive about being near people who are kind. Genuine. And and, and genuine and nice. Yeah. So, and then there's, like, so Jesus is entirely sufficient, right? Like he he's all we need for salvation. Like his death and Absolutely. his resurrection is life. But like as you mentioned, the like the very idea that Jesus has called people to himself is like oh I'm going to I'm going to go be with people. It's like the mission my like God's mission in Christ is to come down and be with people. In the book of John the word for dwelt and this is everyone talks every pastor <laughs> talks about the the word for dwelt in the book of John in John 1 is literally the word tabernacled. Like mm-hmm. Jesus came down and tabernacled with his people. It means he lived in their midst. So it's really easy to get into this headspace where it's like, Jesus is a far-off being, and I just have to please him by doing things. Yeah. But actually, the exact opposite is true. When it's like Galatians 2 says, uh, I no longer live in Christ, lives in me, it's like, oh, he's right here in this room with us. He's right here with me in those things. Um, but today, as you heard in the intro, we wanna, I wanted to talk with Taylor about... Um, More definitely about the idea the call to live in community, but um when Jesus calls people, how do we know what we're called to? Like I've I've spent my whole life in seminary and schools, like looking for my calling. How
1: do I discern what I'm called to? Or how would you pastor early discern? Well, I think there's I don't think many of us will say that we have the clouds parting um Sun, light shining through the clouds revelation of our call to you know to be in christ at that point like i like very few of us have that moment where you know everything just turns on its head um, it might be a culmination of many previous weeks or months or years of study or wrestling or questioning or mm-hmm. um, waffling back and forth but very few of us come to this with a oh we walk into a dark room and the light comes on and suddenly we're there yeah like um and so like for us, I don't think the word immediate is, is nearly as relevant to as it was in then. Because while our call is still supernatural, it's not Jesus isn't calling us to his ministry at that moment to mm-hmm. walk with him physically. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like to live it out, our, our calling you know, I think Oz Guinness put it as our primary calling is to love the Lord our God with everything we are. Um, and that's our primary calling, no matter if you're a vocational minister or if you are a you know, an accountant, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, how do you live so that everything is to the glory of God? You know, your first calling is that. Your second calling is your actual occupation. And sometimes it's vocationally <laughs> for a pastor. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that is, and some people are called to, you know, go overseas, be missionaries, be in that. But some people are, are like us are, are called to just be in the everyday. And the call then is how in, how in that immediate do we take our identity off of our work? off of the paycheck, off of the means to an end, and just allow the light of Christ to be in the midst of the darkness of whatever secular occupation you are in. Even if it's a Christian organization, it still feels pretty far away when it's a business sometimes. So. Absolutely. it There's this idea of like,
0: in the, in the Christian world, I think it might be just because we're so individualistic and in just Western culture, and that's not a, it is a blight, there's also some goodness mm-hmm. in that. But, it's like, I want a product for me. I want to hold it. I want to feel it. I want to, I want it to be an exchange economy. I want God to be an exchange economy. Like, I give you prayers. Tell me what you want me to do. Mm-hmm. But
1: that's yeah. not how God works. Yeah. So the vending machine?
0: Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I put in my prayer quarters, and then God says, like, okay, well, now you get a Snickers bar of your own calling. And it's like, the First Peter 2.21 says, like, as Christ suffered, you were also made to walk in that. And um, First Peter says also, that in light of that suffering, that is the place where you can embrace where you're called to. It's like Christ is someone you should imitate. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. Like the first and foremost thing that Christianity seems to be is like, I'm, you're not called to be a husband while well, you are a husband. I'm not called to be a youth pastor or a director while well, I am that, or a seminarian. Like the first thing people who love Jesus are called to do is be like Jesus. Yeah.
1: And then vocation kind of falls. On yeah. the, back into that. But I think a lot of us today, we um, maybe it's the younger generations, maybe it's just all of us because of the, the effect of the immediate gratification we get from uh, phones, from having all the and answers at our media. fingertips. I mean, yeah. social media, like, you know, um, why is it that we are afraid to move until we know what the answer is going to be? And I think that's where the aspect of, like, how do we walk in faith with Christ, trusting that what he calls us to, he's going to see through to the end, but we're not going to have all the answers on the front end of that. We're not going to know mm-hmm. what the shape of it's going to look like or the color or the location or the, the who with. Um, and I think there, people see that as a binding restriction. Whereas I think it's actually more of a freedom that like, I don't have to worry about these things because Christ holds them already. It's already complete. It's already done. Mm-hmm. While at the same time, our calling is to have faith to step out like Indiana Jones and the last crusade take that leap yeah. of faith right Take yeah. that heart step and 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 let him know that you're in it with him and walking with him walking behind him instead of trying to drag him into the places you want him to be yeah
0: so i'm younger than you um you couldn't tell though we're no. both very handsome <laughs> um <laughs> i I'm, I'm i'm younger and you're, you're working just looking up to you as one of my elders at west hills you said it's like there's part of not knowing gives you the freedom to be trusting, which is great. Uh,
1: how'd you get there? <laughs> a lot of work, man. <laughs> um, er, I mean, there was a long space where I I didn't I didn't know uh, my direction uh, in college, and it wasn't going according to what I thought the plan was, or what I thought God had given me as a plan as an early believer, and and so. Um, I, I read a lot I read a lot. I, I sat in a lot and really Matthew six, uh, 25, 34, all about the anxiety, you know, there's oh yeah, uh, thirty four especially is like, you know, worry about today. There's enough problems here, tomorrow's already mm-hmm. taken care of. Yeah, limit your scope of worry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean and and really all you, only worrying about the future says is that you don't believe God's gonna follow through what he's gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um and so like really letting letting go of like like what do I gain by that? Nothing, you know. Yeah. Um, I can only control what I can actually even even that's even illusion. Like I don't have any control here. Um, yeah. Like, but the just the idea of like how do I sit in the possibilities of what is potentially now, and how do I in that honor God? How do I in that choose things that are life life giving, light giving instead of dark? Um, and so. So it's it's hard. Like I mean like I, like you said I'm older than you a couple like maybe a decade or so, I don't know. Um but like part of that's age, part of that's wisdom, part of that's just failure. <laughs> a lot of failure. Yeah. Um a lot of trying, failing, um but also taking risks. Like people like when I see kids in counseling, like teenagers, like they don't want to try and fail because failure means that they're a failure. I'm like, no, failure means you tried and failed. Like, it's not a definition of who you are. Sure. You know, but so all that to say is like, I don't, I don't know how I got there, but ultimately I got not look there's a checkbox. There's not a list, but there's a, I think there's a freedom in choosing to, to just let God have the things that he's in control of and let me have the things that he's given me to control, mm-hmm. which is thankfully very little because I don't, I, I, I screw up a lot of things. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, there's something to be said about
0: um, – I just listened to a podcast about work and failure. Mm. And just because it's a podcast by Adam Grant called Work Life. Uh, it's very good. I appreciate it. It's by NPR. Um, and part of it in this last episode, he actually commented, like, there, there is specific blessing. He didn't, he's not a Christian. He doesn't say blessing. There is really, really good stuff to failing because you get to be really honest about who you are and the feedback that you got and how you can improve. And oftentimes we see these like little kitschy Instagram posts where it's like, Oprah failed until she was 32, and now she's a billionaire, or something crazy like that. Or she was is like 23. Wow. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but like failure seems like it's part of the game. Yeah. And, and that's true, Let me like, get back to scripture, is like the disciples were all uh, pretty miserable failures. And Peter, he's like, Jesus says, I will build my church on you. Probably the worst one of them all.
1: <laughs> like. The one that didn't get it the most, it yeah. Like, right? Besides kept, maybe, you know, Judas. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> Judas, would, but yeah. Well, it's okay, yeah. He's, not he's probably it's up there compare, too. Yeah. Fair comparison.
0: Um, there's something to be said about God choosing to give
1: the mission of redemption to broken people, right? And, I mean, and he renamed Peter at that point, right? He, he renamed him from being a... You know, to to being the rock, he renamed him to being Peter instead yeah. of Simon. And so, and he, but he also renamed the the brothers, the, the sons yeah, of Zebedee, all, you right. right? You know, yeah. he, like Bonergus and like I mean, which is not a very positive thing. Sons of thunder. Yeah, like <laughs> he, like obviously they had a brash temper. They're the ones that wanted mm-hmm. to call down like lightning and fire upon a city because they didn't accept him, right? I mean, yeah, those guys, like why why I mean, but so is Jesus renaming them a sign of? condemnation or is it a a subtle poke in the ribs is it or is it signs of like you have this passion use it for my good yeah you know and it probably could be a lot of them actually i mean jesus probably had multi-layers there so it's also really consistent with jacob
0: wrestling with god in genesis yeah where jacob is wrestling with the lord and then jacob wants to know who this person is and uh, God, of the angel of the Lord, says, like, who are you and what's your name? And says, my name is Jacob, which means cheater. Mm-hmm. So Jacob had a name that he was a cheater. And then God's like, not anymore. You're Israel. Yeah. You're my son. So there's something in the ancient world where it's like
1: renaming something is showing divine compassion and ownership. Actually, there was a quote I found from a couple of guys. I can't remember their name. So if you're listening, two guys that wrote a book a long time ago, sorry. Um, <laughs> he, he, he actually said that in, the podcast. in, like, biblical times like you know or in in the bible like when you get renamed as the turning point of a new mission or a Mm -hmm. new opportunity and i like like you know you saw that with abram to abraham and jacob to israel and then on down the line with these other guys and like there was this new purpose this new crux that kind of happened although i'm still trying to figure out you know i don't maybe i'm ignorant but i still don't know when levi turned to matthew or if that's just like (laughs) yeah they just say something we probably just don't see yeah i was like it happened but i want to i Mm -hmm. I want the story i like the the story yeah that'd be
0: cool to have um so back to this idea of of community do you what are some ways people can do better like can live in better community like what are ways that you've
1: like this is how i've lived in community i think there's um maybe some stereotypes that kind of go along with what church community should look like Mm um some expectations or assumptions of like having it all together. This is what you look like when you go to church. Um, this is what you say when you speak in Bible study. This is how you look in small groups. Whatever it is, and 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 I am not really comfortable with those notions. Um, that's why one reason I love this church is I think there's a there's a pretty genuine family atmosphere here. Um, that I've I mean, I've been here since 2005, so 2006, and so I've been here for a long time, and I've mm-hmm. seen it go through a lot of different seasons. Um, but there's this piece of genuine care that i think actually undergirds everything here um and so my i think if you are in a small group and you're not letting people know what's actually happening in your life or how your emotional world's affected by those things mm-hmm. then you're probably not doing small group justice um yeah. if if you're a small group leader and you're so focused on the bible study that they're doing life part together takes a second second seat or a back seat then you're probably failing as a life group leader or a small group leader Mm -hmm. because part of this is actually meeting people where they are walking alongside and actually challenging them to come out further into the trusting arms of Christ in relationship with his church instead of staying reclusive and hidden and um, assuming that people don't want to know you Everybody has something to offer. Everybody's got something to give. Everybody has a blessing to, to give upon someone else. Mm-hmm. And But you can't know what that is unless you actually try and step out and do something with it. So I think when I was a life group leader, I, I, I literally said, this is first and foremost going to be about relationships. It's all going to be about transparency. Mm-hmm. It's all going to be about um, vulnerability in whatever form that you feel like you can do that. Like the invitation's there. Like it's not... It's not i re- I'm not gonna pull you out and beat you with a, because you a emotional two by four because yeah, yeah. you didn't do. It's more like the invitation is there. Come, come eat, come feast as you can, you know, as you feel comfortable. And hopefully, yeah. people gain more comfort with that as it goes. And mm-hmm. and I felt like that was a pretty successful model. But not everybody's me, obviously. Thank goodness. All we, different gifts. We, yeah. don't need, we don't need more of me in the yeah. world. Um, but I think like there's this aspect of how do we balance sticking in the, our nose in Isaiah for, for an hour and a half in a group of people and how do we look and be reflective in sharing the air with people and using the God-given energy and space between sharing affect and mem- mirror neurons and all these things that happen that are beautifully done in our neurochemistry that allow us to feel known. Yeah. Like, I think we've, we cut that part short pretty easily and pretty mm-hmm. too often in the church.
0: It seems like we would... We really honor productivity in meetings, and oftentimes productivity comes at the expense of the welfare of the people around us.
1: Like that's all well said. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's just like I. How can I? Psalm forty six ten. Be still and know that I am Lord. Yep. I will be exalted in all the nations. And so the Lord, that's an imperative verb. Be still. Be still. Do it because yeah. I did it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The Lord's Sabbath. There's something about waiting and being silent with people that just matters. Like part of ministry I've learned is just showing up for people when kids are in the hospital when um, people need help or just like when someone's having a rough day yeah let's get pancakes
1: yeah just <laughs> just showing up I mean like literally I think people overestimate what it like they get uncomfortable when they're walking into a grieving situation where they, someone's lost a, a family member and they're sure. like I have to say the right things know well, you don't yeah you don't say anything just give them a hug mm-hmm. like it, but I think when I was a youth pastor, I, like literally I heard somebody say ninety eight percent of youth ministry is just showing up. Yeah. And I think like if you can be present and actually be present, not like show up and look at your phone. Yeah. Show up and like be distracted. You know, like mm-hmm. like all of our all of our presence is distracted presence these days. And so like literally be still. Can any of us be still? <laughs> do we do this well? Yeah. I mean like do we actually know how to sit still and not feel like a failure because we're not being productive, mm-hmm. or can we be still? Where two minutes might feel like three hours, but it's still two minutes where you're actually just letting no distraction enter, no, you know, and just kind of maybe focusing on a scripture or focusing on just the name of God and just breathing. Yeah, can we it, do that? I mean, we don't. I mean, well, it's tough to do. It is. Like, there's a there's a there's a spiritual
0: discipline in stillness. Are Absolutely. you? Do you have time to wait? Like, uh, and oftentimes when you're being incubated by God, it's like there's something. And I'm not saying when you're when you're waiting, there's something more. Sometimes waiting is all there is. And oftentimes, as Christians, we forget that because we want something in that gratification. We want an answer. Yeah. We want the next. <laughs> thing, yeah. Right? Like, Come on. And Lord. Wa-
1: waiting is, it, like, if you haven't gone through a season of waiting as a Christian yet, just wait. It's coming. It's coming. It'll be. It'll be there. Yeah. I mean. Careful what you ask for, but it's coming. And and those seasons of just going through the same feeling, emotion, and whatever it is, like you know, for me it was a point of a period of rejection, and I was like just this rejection and seeking of affirmation, and just like no, no, I have to seek my affirmation only one place and start there yeah. until I actually feel like I'm good with that. I have to rein it in, you know. Yeah, and actually sit. It's mm-hmm. it's so hard. I mean, and people, and but again, Jesus modeled this with the disciples. He showed them like he's like. Chapter three. Before he went and called them as apostles, he was getting mobbed. Like yeah. literally, he's. A, I mean, there's a. He's. He's got a getaway boat to get away, and he climbs up to the mountain and he prays and he's quiet and he's still. And we'll get into that more in a, you know a few weeks. But like, our brains literally need to shut down for a while. Mm-hmm. They literally have to have stillness to recharge, to recoup, to organize themselves. Yeah. So, it's I like mean, why sleep matters. It's like your brain it's exactly needs. Exactly. <laughs> like yeah. Please get sleep if you're not yeah. getting a lot of sleep. Yeah. Please get more than three hours of sleep. Yeah. I mean, get, need, get six to eight. Yeah.
0: <laughs> if you wanna, yeah. There, there's something cool to be said about the need to be around people, and which is, I, as someone who's the newest staff member at West Hills, I'm gonna say that West Hills has done a very good job of inviting me in and being pleasant mm-hmm. and kind and courteous, and I feel like I'm getting to know people every oh. Sunday um so there is something to that but there is something to be said like here, how can we grow which and i have no nothing for that it's just like invite people into your home more and have them over for dinner absolutely yeah. yeah one of the things that my volunteers and i did is like i don't really have meetings with agendas very often i do have them uh just they're not always champion in my life i invited them over and we just had tacos and stuff and all we did was pray for each student in the middle school ministry and the high school ministry by name for awesome. a few hours and that's all we did because community doesn't require uh, agenda; it just requires presence. That's so, good. That's good, man. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anything you want to wrap it up with? Anything you want to tell the church? Just as a platform to tell a few people. <laughs> I feel like I've had enough platforms for the last week. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you might. Want. Now you need to take some rest. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for coming in. We, we Rest Hills Will and I, the staff, we appreciate your leadership and eldership here. It's just been. So cool to serve under you and be led by you. So, thank you so much. Appreciate Thanks for having it. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it for Going Deeper Episode 8. Remember, if you're enjoying these podcasts, feel free to share them around with people in the community who might want to think more about the sermons from week to week. And thank you for joining us as we go deeper.